this is the first thing I've done on the network that my wife is willing to watch the program with me. Really? Wow. How's Paul recording the call if he's not here? Because I'm here. I don't see the... He was hiding in the oh, background. Oh, yeah, the, you're, you're, you're the Mugatu. For some reason, I thought Andy was the Mugatu. Uh, Please, Andy can't be the Mugatu. Sure. I have no desire to be the Mugatu. And, and, that's, and that's your first problem right there. That is my first problem. I'm willing to be the Gorm, though. <laughs> Where am I? The Voyager cast. Who are you? The second in command. What do you want? To cover every iteration of Star Trek. I will not watch Voyager, Enterprise, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, or Discovery. My life is my own. By hook or by crook, you will. I am not a prisoner of your podcast whims. Alright, you want to do the prisoner? Alright then. The Village People. An exploration of the prison. With Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and Andrew Lamb. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new, startling experience, an all-new auditory experiment, where we gather together the finest, the cream of the crop, the best available to discuss Patrick McGowan's 1960s seminal television event. We are the village people, and this is an exploration of The Prisoner. On this journey, I, Andrew Leyland, am joined by William S. Robinson Esquire, who has also seen The Prisoner. But we are joined by two incumbents into the village who have no idea what they are letting themselves in for. Mr. David Pascarella. Good, good to be here. And our own number two, Paul Spatella. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought you were going to say that you were being joined by two incompetent people. No, that would have been more accurate. I think, yeah, it would have been on the money, though. Uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is this is like when we did uh, what you call it, Firefly. Firefly. Yeah, I'm 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 up for this, even though I don't know how I got here. See, the thing with it is, it's always exceptionally risky because we could get three episodes into this, and you two could be like, "What is this shit?" Well, in a worst case scenario, let's 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 say that's gonna happen, which I don't think it will. But for for argument's sake, if that happened, either we would keep on doing it, and we would be, you know, Dave and I could be the dissenting voices as to why do you guys like this so much, or if we really didn't like it, we could say, you know what, Bill and Andy, you're on your own until this is done, and we'll join you after <laughs> with the, for whatever the next show is. But I, I, I fully expect that I'm going to enjoy watching this and that it's going to be fun either from a I'm just enjoying the episodes because they're good or fun because it's kind of a piece of TV history that I haven't experienced yet. So I think it's going to be fine. I trust your judgment. Well, that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have gonna, faith. I was just going to say, have I ever steered you wrong, Dev? Have you ever steered us right? No. Well, that's a different question, to be honest with you. Well, he does oh. drive on the left side of the road, so it's hard to steer right, I guess. Well, exactly. I'll in this episode, drive on the left, politics on the right. Hate the rich, worship the rich. Which you know, guy? You should have a working knowledge about the stock market. Yes. To prove you're a capitalist. To prove you're a capitalist, yes. But before we get into that and spoil it for everybody... 
we should say that what we're going to look at today is not an episode of The Prisoner. What? It is actually. No, I know. Before we even start, we're doing what The Prisoner did. And we're making you think we're doing one thing and going another. It's very baffling. What we are going to look at is an episode of the 1960s Patrick McEwen starring spy series, Danger Man, which has many elements in it that would be used in the prisoner later. The episode is Colony 3. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Patrick, on, Patrick on, McGowan. Yes? No, it's Jim Caviezel. No, 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 no. Not no. the AMC. No. no, as with the Point Break remake, that does not exist. Oh. You know, I watched that, and all I remember is them walking around in the desert, and I don't really remember anything else. And, and, uh, and, and it even had Ian McKellen in it, too. Yep. For those who are unaware, The Prisoner was remade in, I don't know, 2009. No, it was like 2009 by AMC. And I, I got five minutes into it and went off and never went back. So we will not be discussing that or <laughs> paying it any heed. But Danger Man is something we will be paying heed to because it is exceptionally good. One of the finest 60s spy series of the era initially it started as a half-hour black-and-white show. The first series produced 40, I think, 38, 39, 40 episodes around that. And let's just marvel at the fact that for one series of a show, they made nearly 40 episodes. Stick Wait, that in, you pipe, Stranger Things. Danger Man? I watched Danger, Danger Man. I watched Danger Mouse. Oh, that's a, that's a completely different show, but also one worthy of discussion. Yes, I like that they live under the letterbox. Do you know, just as a tangent, in London... That letterbox has a blue plaque on it saying Danger Mouse lives here. Do you know what blue <laughs> plaques are? No. Right. Blue plaques are put up by the Heritage Trust to areas of, oh, of for a historical significance. Yeah. Gotcha. So Paul McCartney's house in London has a blue plaque on it. Oh, that's nice. That that's kind nice. of thing. So anywhere that has a, an area of, of historical importance has a blue plaque. And that letterbox on the corner of that street from the only credits of Danger Mouse has a blue plaque. Anybody proving, know that, proving, oh. proving that we don't take it entirely seriously. No. Dan- so Danger pretty, Mouse is a British secret agent mouse so with his sidekick Penfold. Pretty much yeah. with the age of London, every other house has a blue plaque. Guy. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You can go just oh, one down the house. Oh, go, look, look, somebody died of the Black Plague, though. That's good. They probably also <laughs> couldn't tell which house they were putting it on because of all the fog. Guess what? Like out <laughs> anyway danger I, man i love danger man because the johnny rivers theme song yeah well, I was I was say, if you've for. never heard of danger man that's because over the pond it was called secret agent man and it had a completely different theme tune mm. a rather catchy little theme tune actually secret agent man but i still prefer high wire by bernard astler now the links i sent you are the british ones because they're off the dvd so the price that you pay for decent picture quality is they are not the American ones. They don't have the secret Danger Man theme on them. Danger Man was notable mainly because it debuted before Bond. So mm. it was this interesting little globetrotting spy show that debuted before the James Bond phenomenon. Erred from 1960 to 1962 initially. It but there would have been Bond novels by then. I'm sorry to keep oh, it There would have been Andy. the Bond novels, yes. So the Bond, Bond was in the the atmosphere but the connery movies hadn't happened yet 
unfortunately, Danger Man did not perform particularly well in America, although it did very well around the rest of the world. Only 20 of the 40 episodes aired in America. So with its success around the rest of the world, by that point, James Bond happened. And the other stations around the world came back to ITC and says, we want more of this because it's doing well for us in reruns. So they changed it then to an hour long adventure show and started making more new episodes. They did do well in America where they were syndicated as Secret Agent Man with a different theme tune. And that's Danger Man was. In Danger Man, Patrick McGowan plays John Drake, who is essentially a troubleshooter. He's the equivalent of the CIA, MI5, wall ruled into one. When the problem gets too big for those organizations to handle or they want to keep it quiet, they send in one man, John Drake. Colony 3 is the episode that I asked everyone to watch as a prelude to The Prisoner because it deals with some very similar themes. The idea of the show is that Russia and or any enemy agent, so it doesn't have to specifically be Russia, but it is Russia in this one, I think, have spy schools all over the world in different countries, whereby they train sorry, their spies to look, sound, think, and essentially be British and or American and or Australian, depending upon where this spy school is, so that they can blend in perfectly and become sleeper agents passing back information to the government that they may wish to know. It is heavily implied in the show that there are many such schools all around the world. And once you disappear into those schools, you never return. You never come back. And it's very much an enclosed facility where everything you need is there, but there's no leaving. <laughs> you can check out any time you like, but you can never yeah. leave. So of those of us that watched it, I presume you don't have any familiarity with Danger Man at all, because you're all far too young. Yeah, no, I don't have any experience. Well, so what I did mean, you think of it? I don't know if I'm far too young, but uh, but yeah, no, I had I, I only knew of it in reference. I've never actually sat and watched the show. I only knew the theme song existed for Secret Agent Man. <laughs> well, it was it was a popular pop hit with the young people of the day. And Bruce Willis covered it. Yep, yep. Sad to say I have that CD. You have that record. That's, I have that CD, yes I do. That's fair enough. Uh, I watched the very first episode. Uh, where, is I, that, where is that shot? That is, I, you know what, funny you mentioned that, because I yeah. was going to bring that up, because I, I stumbled upon another site that talked about uh, lo, uh, the locations, and that was shot in Port May. It, it, is it Port Million? Port Marion. Port Million? Port Marion, which is where the prisoner is shot. Mm -hmm. So is that like a usual, that's a very prolific uh, filming location, I take it, because of its oddity? It's not It's not prolific. It shows up in a lot of places where they want to pretend they're in Italy because mm -hmm. of the design of it, or a, a bizarre alien-type landscape. There is a Tom Baker Doctor Who shot in Port Marion. Really? Uh, yeah, I think it's the Mask of Mandragora. Oh, I think, you know what? I'm going to have to go back and... Yeah, okay, that yeah. would make sense. So that, that would be a good place to fight a Gorn. Yes, it would be a good awesome, place to yes. fight a Gorn. Because there's a rich landscape, it's its own It's his own enclosed place, really. It's such an eclectic design from Sir Clough Easton Ellis, who designed the thing, that um, it is very, it's a very unique place. You can be there and not know that you're in the middle of South Wales 
Right. Uh, and then just down, you've got the forest and, and all the, the woodland at the back of it. You've got the beach just down the way a little bit. It is a fascinating place to visit once you become familiar with the prisoner because they didn't really make any effort to hide where it, what it was, sorry. But they didn't tell you where it was until the very, very last episode. Even though it had, I think it's been in like, ITC filmed there a lot. It isn't just in Danger Man. I'm pretty sure like there's an episode of the Saint shot there and, and stuff mm. like that. So I'm just thinking, uh, you know, the Colony uh, episode. Uh, that seems to be a trope that may have started there, but has been picked up a lot. You know, it's like mm. the Black Widow Academy in Marvel. Yep. And things yep. like uh, that. An episode of Alias. Mm. Uh, Sydney Bristow had to go undercover in exactly the same place, a Russian uh, spy school that was set up in a um, housing estate in California where they had them living there as if they were Americans. Uh, there's the Americans, if you ever saw that show. I haven't, but I'm familiar with the, the you know, the, 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 the theory of it. Uh, you know, and it's just something that we've come up with on comics and back to the bins, not often, but once in a while where we've, reviewed an, a, a book that was considered to be a classic and when we look at it we were like oh this is something that's been done over and over again and then we have to pull ourselves back a little bit to say yes it has been done over and over again but at the time this was made it was new and original mm-hmm. it was done over and over again because they originated it here now i don't know if uh you know if that episode of danger man is the first one to explore that premise but it isn't, you know, it's it's an interesting concept, and off the top of my head, I can't come up with anything earlier where they did that. I can't think of anything I saw before that. It may have been like a, a 1950s book or something, which were a lot of ITC still their ideas. But yeah, you're right. It has it's been done a lot since. There's an episode of the X Files that does it, if you remember. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think because I thought there was one where they go undercover in a town, but I don't, yeah, I couldn't remember what the why they went undercover. Abraham Ben Ruby's in it. Drawing a blank. Uh, Larry Kubiak from Parker Lewis Can't Lose and oh, Jerry okay. the receptionist from ER. Okay. He's in everything. They did that in one of the uh, Expendables movies too. Right. Well, you come across the town that they were using before the collapse. Yeah, it seems like a plot line that is easily adaptable to you know a lot of different formats. Especially anything where you're, you know, where you're incorporating any type of spy activity. The thing, the thing that struck me about Colony Three, watching it again on Friday for this, is it is typical of the time. It doesn't have a happy ending. Magoon yes. John Drake <laughs> succeeds in his mission, but it doesn't go according to plan. It doesn't go well, and the poor girl is just abandoned. The British government just abandoned it, though. There's nothing they can do for her. They leave her. Well, yeah, but they, well, they said that they didn't, I mean, maybe we're getting ahead because we haven't really covered the episode proper, but they say that there's no evidence that she existed. Yeah, she's been wiped from existence. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Did you spot who she was? <clears throat> she looked familiar, but I couldn't, and I didn't do research. Is she in The Prisoner? No, it is Nadira from Star Trek. Where for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. If you put the eye makeup on and give her a b- bigger, bigger bouffant than she had here, <laughs> yeah, give her, give her the beehive hoodie. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. 
that's one of the things that we'll see going into the prisoner but was even more pre- prevalent in the danger man is the just the sheer amount of guest stars that the show went through who went on to have fantastic careers in other things yeah i i i saw a quick list of uh of guest stars and one of them was uh future blofeld donald pleasance yeah yeah there's loads of good people in there danger man's one of them i did a palace of glittering delights about it and it is one of those shows that i carried on with i i remember seeing danger man when channel 4 started in 82 i want to say 1982 they showed a lot of itc stuff Again, this is where I discovered the prisoner, but we'll get to that later. They showed the Avengers and they showed Danger Man and they showed all of that. Lost in, they brought Lost in Space back. Oh, a lot of old stuff yeah. was how they padded out their schedules. And that's where I first saw Danger Man. And it's, I think it's easily one of the better 60s spy shows because it isn't overtly silly. Even now, the stories hold up as being quite serious and not campy. And it's... It, it's kind of like the, I just watched the first season of Man from Uncle, and it's quite similar to that in that Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin weren't portrayed as supermen in that first season. They were normal guys who just happened to have a job as spies. And John Drake is essentially the same thing. He just takes it much more seriously. And it's a British show, so it's a lot more downbeat mm. in many ways than its American contemporaries. And not every episode has an upbeat ending. And it leads throughout the series to John Drake, as you saw at the end of Colony 3, him becoming increasingly disillusioned with the role in which he finds himself. Which, which is how... also... Yeah, leads into Which the is prison. how... It, yeah. Hmm. So it's, the reason I picked it was twofold. It was, one, it shows you that the character is already becoming slightly off kilter with where he thinks the job is going and the things that he has to do but also that the basic idea is similar but not the same as what he would go on to explore in the prisoner well i know that you know people uh i in my little bit of research i did there was uh you know talk that um drake dave confirmed i think patrick mcguin stated that John Drake is the man that's in the prisoner. No, McGowan's always denied it because he would really? have to give Ralph Smart money. Oh, maybe that was a if, fair thing then. I mean, because, if, well, I'm, yeah, it's a copyright. If he acknowledged that this is John Drake, nah. well, but Ralph it's not Smart a stretch that it's not. Somewhere. But it's not a stretch. <laughs> no, well, the opening credits of the prisoner, the file, the picture that they stamp out, is a publicity still from Danger Man. <laughs> So you can see how people may think, yeah. is this a continuation of Danger Man? McGowan's always denied it for that reason. Mm. You know, for the same reason that they didn't use um, Nick Locarno in Star Trek Voyager. Oh, that was just The original ridiculous. creator would have necessitated a payment. And for obvious reasons, he didn't want to do that. This is his brother. Well, that just adds it's another card. Go on. Yeah, this just adds another layer of mystery to the prisoner, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, is it John? Well, is because they don't. This John Drake resigning from wherever. Yeah. Or cause... is it Patrick McGoon resigning from his old job? Right. I mean, because in the prisoner, and not to get ahead, they he never mentioned his name. They know everything about him. Nope. But they don't remember. He's just a number. Yep. 
So, Colony... Well, that's what's funny about Secret Agent Man, the theme. Yeah. Is they've taken, oh, they've given you a number and taken away, away your name. They've taken away your name. They've given you a number and taken away your name. Yeah. And that's in the theme of Secret Agent Man. Yeah, I, can, I have... A hard time accepting that this that it's not the same character. Honestly, you know, yes, I could accept that he says it's not because he didn't want to pay royalties, but the reality seems to be that he's got to be the same guy. I have always subscribed to that that thought as well. I've always thought it's a continuation of Danger Man, and it's not like Magoon really stretches himself in terms of performance to make it a different character. Yes, I am noticing that, that kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, the prisoner will get a little bit more off kilter, I guess we'll say. Uh, oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but, but um, yeah, it's still the same Patrick McGowan. Yeah. Being Patrick McGowan. Yes. Did you enjoy Danger Man? Oh, I did. Yes, yes. I um, I'm probably when I have time, I'll skip back through and watch a few episodes here and there because, like I said, I did watch the first one, which was View from the Villa. Yeah. Um, that's which the was a little one, isn't it? Yes, that's where. Well, yeah. they're trying to find the five million dollars in gold, and uh, you know, there was a girl that ended up dead. You know, it was like a little bit of a mystery, but you know, it's like you kind of figure what's going on. You know, it wasn't too hard to figure out, but the whole with the painting and stuff and oh, the view, the view from the villa. Ah, that's the giveaway. That's, that's where the money is. I'm definitely going to watch it because, to be honest, it's a program my watch, my wife will sit through and watch with me. Danger Man or The Prisoner? Danger Man. She's oh, okay. going to try The Prisoner, too. But she'll definitely watch Danger Man. She has a soft spot, too, for English programs. So. <laughs> well, yeah, this, this is it, then. Because <laughs> they're more miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's, so I, this... I heartily recommend Danger Man. I don't think, it's not something you'd ever do like a show like this on, because not every episode is... And there's just too many of them. For a start, but it's it's well worth watching, and there's there's an edge to it, and a darkness to it, and a depth to it that belies the the ITC stuff of the sixties, where they were doing stuff that I thoroughly enjoy. You know, I love the Saints and the Champions and Department S and all that stuff that they were making, but the Danger Man seems to just be that step above in terms of its quality of writing and acting and performance and guest stars and everything across the board just seems that slight step ahead of all the other stuff. So of, of the two episodes I've watched and the other um, performances of Patrick McGowan, it seems like, I don't know, like he puts something extra into his performances, like every, every movement. It, in the opening of this episode, the simple scene of him watching the guy from the car like, yeah, which that which that was like a that was a that was a mini, right? That was a mini Cooper. Yes, he was Style. in a mini. Yeah. yeah, but so at one point he's sitting on one side of the car, and he's very intent on this guy that's walking up the street, M- Mr. Fuller, and he's watching him like a hawk, and you know he's looking in the mirror, 
He's very, you know, he's just, it, it, and and then he shifts to the other side of the car like he's anxious. He's ready to pounce on him like an animal, you know. And it, it, it's like it 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 brings me in. I, I'm so engaged with what he's doing, and he could he could be doing absolutely nothing. Later on, when he's hooking up the razor in, as the transmitter, the whole it's mm-hmm. like everything. He's so suave and cool, and everything he does that you just want to be him. It's like, man, I wish I was Patrick McGowan because. <laughs> He could read the paper and I would be enthralled watching it. Well, it's well on the one hand, it's very interesting because there are episodes of The Prisoner, which we will get to, where mm-hmm. that's they they lean into that. Mm-hmm. He's a very compelling leading man. There is just he is a prototypical TV star. There's just something about him that is charismatic and eminently watchable. And he's got that Clint Eastwood vibe of, like you just said, he can do nothing, ostensibly. It looks like he's doing nothing. And he's just compelling to watch. He's, he's a very... He's, he's, yeah. He can't fight. <laughs> well, he's sometimes better at that. Yeah, because yeah. on the train with the axe fight, and I'm just like, Really? <laughs> Okay, he gets, he gets better at the fighting. As he goes. Yes, he does. They but did he's say very, he's very physically imposing as well. They did say <laughs> in in what I was reading a little bit about the show that he kind of imposed his own values on it. That he really didn't want to have weapons and he didn't want to have womanizing. Nope, that was part of yeah, his own all that. way of of you know doing things. So that's interesting when you compare that you know to Bond. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he was we, offered Bond. Really. Yeah, they they seriously courted McGowan for Bond, and he flatly turned him down for that reason. He didn't like the loose nature of the character. He didn't like the loose nature of the character. He didn't like that essentially he is a cold-blooded killer, uh, and he he flatly turned him down. Probably not the best career move, but you know whatever. I don't know. I didn't do any out. At the time of Danger Man's completion, he was the highest paid actor on television ever. Hmm. At that point. Yes, he Danger was, Man he, being he was successful making, worldwide. He was making $6,000 a year. <laughs> yeah, which in 1967. Maybe he was making $6,000 an episode. Well, Who knows? I, I if, you've ever no seen, if you've ever seen him in Columbo, his episodes of Columbo are amongst the best ones. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they moved Danger Man to colour for the final two episodes of the series. And two episodes into it, McGowan said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. I resign. I'm done. So he goes to Lou Grade. Do you guys know who Lou Grade is? No. No. Lou Grade was the head of ITC. Lou Grade was your prototypical cigar-smoking dealer, moneymaker. Everything was a handshake. That this was wasn't the guy who was behind Doctor Who, was it? No, no, Doctor Who's the BBC. That's a completely different thing. That I'm was sorry. um, God, I can't even remember his name. No, no, it's fine. But Lou Grade was behind every every great show from the sixties and seventies that aired in syndication in America. So UFO, Space nineteen ninety nine, all the Jerry Anderson stuff, The Saint, The Return of the Saint, all of that stuff was ITC Department S. Jason King, The Champions. Uh, and McGowan, as you said, as I said, was the highest paid actor on television at that point, one of the most popular actors on television at that point. So when he went to Lou Grade and said, right, I'm done with Danger Man, Grade was like, well, what do you want to do? Because he didn't want to lose him. 
And he told him he had this idea for a spy who resigned and was taken to a village for spies. And then he had to find out where he was and how to get out of there. And on a handshake deal, they arrange, he, ITC arranged to fund 13 episodes to go into production ASAP. Initially, McGowan took a lot of the production crew from Danger Man with him, George Mark Stein, the story editor, and a couple of others as well. But increasingly, more and more, McGoon, it was his way or the highway. He eventually ends up writing, directing, producing, pretty much doing everything on the show by the time he gets to the midway point that basically causes burnout, which leads to the show ending after 17 episodes. But the fact that you had that guy, that one guy at that point, who was willing to give you a TV show on a handshake, you, that kind of thing just does not happen anymore. And he was willing to take many, many risks with his programs. Jerry Anderson would say, right, I've got this idea for the next show. And he would just say, right, go make it. UFO was popular, but it wasn't popular enough. What have you got next? Well, I've got this idea of taking the moon base and doing something with it. Go make it. And losing grade to films once, I think, was it was it the Poseidon Adventure? I want to say. No, it was Raising the Titanic. Raising the Titanic flopped. Mm. and basically destroyed the company. And I don't think British television ever really recovered from it because there wasn't one guy there who was willing to just take that kind of risk anymore. As long as it sold internationally and made him his money back, he let you do what you want to do. I think about the only star nowadays that you could, if they came with an idea and it would get greenlit, would be like, like a Tom Hanks, a Tom Cruise... Yeah, I don't think there's very many people like that left anymore. Which is a shame, because you've got Netflix, or they used to be, willing to throw loads of money at stuff. But by and large, it's all pretty boring. Mm. There's not a lot of uniqueness to the shows. They all look similar. And And ITC was a factory. And this is why we're talking about the show from 60 years ago. Yes, this is why we're talking about a show from 60 years ago. So, so Danger Man comes to an end, he makes The Prisoner, and essentially he makes one of the finest pieces of television, I think, that ITC created. It's certainly something that still resonates with people, it still gets repeated, it still has that thrall over people, over the show and how the show ended and how it got to where it was going and there's lots if you want to go on the internet or buy books there's millions of think pieces about what this episode was about and what it meant mcgoohan has always studiously avoided telling you which so i think comes to your best. own own conclusions yeah, yeah. It's, if you want to think it's john drake mcgoohan has never dissuaded you of that notion he said if that you want to think that's fine He's very much of the opinion that he's put the art out there. It was his, pretty much. He was let to do what he wanted to do, and now it's yours. You make of it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I just wanted, in case anybody's interested about, because uh, we didn't really synopsize the Colony Three. I don't. I couldn't find a synopsis. I could do a quick run through. Paul just groaned and went, "Oh no!" <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, basically, there's a gentleman that he has been approached 
by other communists. He's a British communist, uh, but they say that these people keep disappearing. John Drake takes his place. He, we go through, you know, three a little side vignette with three strangers on a train. We find out about them. It's it's the one woman. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, another gentleman can't remember his name either off the top of my head. But they all talk about why they're there. She's there to find someone. The other guy is like all excited to be a nice a communist and he's going to have an important position. And then uh, they get uh, oh, and this train, all the windows are blacked out, so they have no idea where where they're going. And at some point, I thought they were doing like a Hogan's Heroes thing, like they weren't actually even in a train; they were just in a car, you know. And they and there was like special effects moving it. Which is actually probably what they were doing for the show. <laughs> but I was like, well, they're showing a train, so I guess they really are going on a train ride. And you're led to believe, I think, that they were in Siberia, possibly, because they said, oh, yes. Yeah. So they arrive at this location, they get off the train, and a double-decker bus dr- greets them, drives them into a little town, which I guess that town was just demolished in 2017, I was reading. What was that? Oh, that's a shame. Something like that, like some of the locations. And and so there's this, it's an English village. And they, they're they met by the greeter, who I guess we could call him number two for lack of, uh, you know, what his future version will be um, for the prisoner. And he tells them all what they're going to do. They're all given jobs. Uh um, the one lady is going to, uh, she finds her friend who is dead because he decided to leave in the middle of winter and he died. Uh, she, she, she was misled into coming out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. She, she yes. thought she was going to hook up with this fella and he was already dead and they lured her out to take his place. Yeah. And so, yeah. So now she's, uh, you know, they're like, Oh, well you're his replacement. Wait, what? <laughs> and, um, the other guy, he was like an electrical engineer, and now he's an electrician. And he's uh, he's uh, John Drake slash Robert Robert Fuller, I think was the was the uh, his name in the show. Um, yes. That's his. He's his roommate, and boy, they just get along like gangbusters. Yeah, right. Randall's oh. the electrician, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, John Drake's mission is to interview people to make sure that they don't trip up with all the the identification cards the tax forms he's basically running everybody through but he's got a little secret uh, secret agent danger man he's got a little spy gadget that he hooks up i have no idea how that works how you roll up i mean that was pretty weird it was where, where did he get that typewriter did he bring that typewriter with him he's he gave him didn't he, yeah but so it would already have a camera built into the typewriter I was a little surprised they let them bring anything, to be honest with you. Well, he has to go through major modifications to turn his typewriter into a camera. I mean, and he, and, and he's got film rolled up inside pencils, uh, which through machinations, his, uh, his roommate discovers, but everything that they're constantly being listened to. So before the guy can open his mouth, Drake yanks him outside and he's like i've never seen those and um that and then i talked earlier about the scene where he's got his little transmitter hooked up via his razor um you know so he's got all the spy gadgets could, could i jump in a sec though sure, sure. 
there's a point when he first arrives where this guy Richardson is taking him around the town, and he takes him to the school where they teach them how they torture people. And they they show you how they're gonna put him in the chair and you know demonstrate. So and it's it's like you know this is coming at some point to make you crack. Mm-hmm. And he almost starts to crack because he's his questions are a little evasive. You know his his answers are a little evasive. Yeah, they keep asking him when did you join the party, and he's like I didn't join the party. And then when they take him out of the chair, he's like. Oh, wow, I was almost ready to crack and admit that I did join the party on such and such a date. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at him kind of side-eyed like, yeah, huh? okay. Yeah, but the uh, but the head guy comes in, what's, what's going on here? So, uh, um, and, you know, he, he uh, his other roommate is getting even more and more discouraged and doesn't want to be there and tries to go on the run. And he goes and, and, uh, and catches him outside of the town. I think because he doesn't want more, more suspicion drawn upon himself, but then he decides he's, he's going to leave. And, uh, Richardson, uh, uh, leaves at the same time. And that's when the girl comes up and, you know, slips the message inside his shirt, inside his jacket, and then when he's on the train, because the his uh, his buddy, number two, says, uh, "Well, my my mission is done. I'm gonna go back with you." Uh, and hilarity ensues later with a a uh, the Chekhov's axe that was in one scene, and then hmm, it's not there now. Oh my God! He almost killed Patrick McGowan. And uh, Richardson gets uh, thrown from the train, and uh, he gets back to uh, who does he work for again? What is it, the name? It never actually specifies. Oh, okay. An opening saga cell in the early episodes where it says, you it's, know, the, in America, there's, yeah, I mean, America there's MI5 in the in you in the England in England sorry there's MI5 in America there's the CIA in Russia blah blah blah. I'm who they call to when they can't get the job done. Right. But it's implied that he works for the United Nations. Yeah. And there's a little bit of intrigue that's brought up with the uh, behind the scenes. Oh, that's how he gets out. They just say, oh, you know, we we were told by, is it Control 1? Section 1. Section 1, which, you know, the prisoner, the question is always is who is number 1. So you don't really even know here who is Section 1. Is uh, because it seems to be like a very nebulous. It's it's not just. I don't. I think it was implied that it wasn't just Russian. That it's something higher, uh, because uh, well, at least that's what I got out of it. So is is somebody works for, but he doesn't know it, or is it? You know, that's it's very uh, uh, hush hush. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. I took it oh. as there was a spy within the Russian organization, you know, a, a British spy within the organization that got him pulled out because they're like, wow, nobody's ever been sent for from here, from, yeah. you know, from Section 1. Well, the question you could ask and the question you could ask in the prisoner is who spies on the spies or who watches the watchmen. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, you know, because I, I was bringing this up to someone at work because um, I was explaining to him what we're doing for the podcast, and he was unfamiliar with the prisoner. So the the elevator pitch that I gave to him was, where would a spy go to retire, and would a spy be allowed to retire? Would they be allowed to step away from a, from a job to which they know so much important information about – uh, you know, governments, weapons, people, economics. Would these people just be allowed to, you know, collect their retirement check and live on a beach in the Caymans? And in in this case, no. <laughs> they are sent to a place to where they can be watched and controlled until they die. So, I mean, that's... I th- Andy, I think you would agree that's the uh, the quick pitch for the show. Yeah, that's pretty much McGowan's pitch for the show. You know, these oh. people know too much. You, you can't just let them retire to the Cotswolds and live a nice little cottage and go surfing every day. They're not Andrew Ridgely, and he's not from Wham. He's got all these secrets in his head. He knows things that other countries' spies would kill to mm-hmm. get their hands on him and extract that information from him. So the implication in the prisoner, one of the implications for the prisoner is, is the village us? Do we part this? That where we put our spies. They're not allowed to resign. They can't just quit. And they're not killed in action. What do you do with them? Well, I mean, or is it just a agreement upon, you know, between all organizations that this is yes. where we will send all our spies because it would be too dangerous for all of us if any of them were allowed to just have free reign? Yeah, because we don't know the location of the village. And as somebody says in the very first episode, it's very cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. So there's people of all different nationalities there. Yep. So And like we said earlier, the episode ends. He gets back uh, uh, on the train. The uh, Richardson had told him, well, once you come here, you don't exist anymore you you are wiped wiped from the real world and when he gets back to like oh we have no uh, we know nothing about the girl and that's the way it ends and it's kind of like oh man she's stuck there and he you could see that drake look is not not happy with that outcome no there's a lot of episodes where he's not happy with the outcome <laughs> to be honest with you more than anything danger man isn't james bond it isn't ian flamin it's john le carre hmm but through the filter of a 1960s populist television show lens. But now, yeah, as I understand it, Ian Fleming was initially involved in the creation of Danger Man, and then they kind of said, yeah, that's not working, and they replaced him. Yeah, as with The Man from Uncle. He was involved in the creation of The Man from Uncle as well. Hmm. So we've touched on a little bit about Pat Patrick McGowan. Um, how many things have uh, you guys seen him in? I know Andy's seen, you know, we've seen him in uh, here, Colombo. Uh, he's uh, in Scanners. Uh, Braveheart. Braveheart. The first, I think the first actual role I ever saw him in was in Escape from Alcatraz as the... Oh, yeah. As he's very good in Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. He's in the Phantom. Yeah, oh, yes. I love him in the Phantom. Yeah. As, as the, the first re- Phantom. Yeah. yeah. See, I would say I've seen him in a lot of things. But I hadn't really been paying attention to to know. Oh yeah, that's Patrick McGowan. I just kind of like appreciated him in the background without taking specific note, which is not usually the way I do things like that. But in this instance, that's the way it's worked out. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. But I think that also gives me a good, uh, a, a good blank slate for going into this. I don't have a lot of preconceived notions about him. I don't have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of strong feelings about him or the series or anything like that. So I'm going to be able to come into this and, and really just kind of judge it for what it is. I do think that there's going to be an element, like I said earlier, about that there's going to be elements to the show that have been since lifted by other shows. Uh, so that that's something that I think I'm going to have to kind of be able to look back on it and try and keep in mind that this is, you know, in what whatever it was, 1966, was it? 67 to 68 it wrapped. 67 okay so you know i'm gonna have to keep in mind that and if, if there's any places else where i've seen similar themes it's it's certainly worth noting it uh but then you know you got to keep in mind that they were copying this not the other way around yeah i'm personally of the opinion that every single show that has done an off concept off book episode was in some way inspired by the prisoner because the prisoner does a number of them mm-hmm we won't get into that either. Had you heard of the prisoner before? Before we said, let's do this next. I, I've obviously I've heard of it. I've heard people talk about it uh, many many times. I remember seeing some uh, some some penciled pages from a uh, comic. Jack that, Kirby. Yeah, by yeah. Kirby that that he was that they were going to do a series on it. Uh, and I actually have the season uh the amc season on dvd jason sandberg was nice enough to send that to me uh but i have not sat down and watched it yet and then it's going to be a question of when you know after we're done with this if i'm going to have the desire to check it out then uh i think i might even though you know i've i've heard that it's not good uh but i think i want to check i might want to check it out anyway it depends on how how much i dive into this show and how how immersed i get in it what about you, Dave? I had heard of it, and I, I knew the concept, but that's it. I, you know, never saw any of it. Don't know anything specifically about it. Mm. See, because I, I grew up being aware of it, because it's an ITC show, so they were showing all the time. But I'd never sat down and watched it until the Channel 4 rerun, but I'd read about it in like a lot of different magazines. Starlog did video companions. Do you remember these? They did a couple of magazines that were not Starlog issues. They were Starlog Presents. And they were reviews of films and television shows that you could get on video cassettes. That's how old it is, kids. <laughs> and they did a special section in one of them on The Prisoner. And the reviews gave every single episode five stars. And the ones that it didn't give five stars, it gave four. So that rapidly became, well, okay, Starlog had given us a good review. Remember, at the time, that's pretty much all we had, wasn't it? We had Starlog, we had Cine Fantastic, we had Starburst, and that was it. So when Channel 4 re-ran it in 83, 84, whatever, that's when I watched it. And I remember it was very much a case of what the hell is this, along with, my God, this is compelling television at a time when there wasn't really anything else like it. We've had a lot more surreal, off-concept shows nowadays that don't necessarily follow formulate TV that we grew up with. 
that you know that idea that you could watch an episode of the incredible he's going to hulk out at 22 and 44 minutes Erwell's going to blow shit up at 43 minutes into now we knew the formula of it and there's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays for you two now that you're in an era of tv isn't as formulaic as it used to be i get the feeling we're going to have an element of twin peaks in this Hmm. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know that. I don't know that the prisoner is as deliberately obtuse as Twin Peaks until maybe towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I would agree Every with that. episode, in and of itself, makes sense. It's something that okay, that's even something though Twin it's Peaks pretty, could not say. <laughs> it's yeah. something like you may just think and go, "Wow, what the." <laughs> but it's not did that even happen you're not going to go could they even do that There, things are going to be done to him that you're going to say wow what if that was done to me things are going to be done to him that are, were science fiction when the show was met, made but are now just commonplace <laughs> yeah yeah like, it's not it's not got as many flights of surrealistic fantasy as Twin Peaks has. I, I maintain every single episode of The Prisoner mostly has a plot that holds up and makes sense within itself. It doesn't do stuff for the sake of being bizarre or weird. There's always a point to it. Yeah, I... Including the episode that did not air on US TV in 1967. Which one was that? Living in Harmony. Oh, okay. Yeah. But right. we'll just say nothing about it. Until yeah, we get yeah, no, 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 no. Because no. part of the fun of this is going to be you two seeing it for the first time. And there's, there's an element of me that's kind of jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> and excited because, you know, you're like, you know, we're going to kind of be waiting, rubbing our hands together going, all right, what, what, what are they going to think about this? Yeah, and it, it, it's a very sad state of affairs, really. I don't mean this with any disrespect to the animated series, which for the most part I did enjoy. But Bill pitched this halfway through doing the animated Star Trek and I was literally like can we ditch this and just go to the prisoner (laughs) (laughs) for this reason there's an excitement but one I love the show Bill loves the show so it's going to be interesting if you two love it as much as we do but it's also going to be interesting to see you two get to see it as virgins and I do think and that's this, what makes it exciting and interesting. I do think there's an element of what you said where I'm going to be like, boy, if that was me, I would have given up already. Uh, I, 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 give up. I, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like, I might as well just sit back and enjoy my retirement here. Uh, well, that that's interesting that you said because that is the point of some of the shows. Why do you not just tell us what we want to know? It's not unpleasant here. Yeah, that's yeah, but he's so stubborn adamant yeah just like i'm not going to tell you because it's none of your damn business yeah it's nothing to do with you and again we can read stuff into it from our perspective the social media perspective of um there was just something the other day i can't even remember what it was now but somebody hadn't said something on social media the, the thing i remember is when black panther when um or chadwick boseman died Mm-hmm. One of the cast members didn't say something publicly about his death, and people were hammering her because oh, she'd yeah. not said something on social media. And I was like, "It's none of your fucking business. You didn't know him. She did. 
You don't know what she's going through. You do not have a right to get her to tell you what she's feeling. And there's an element of that in The Prisoner, that he's just like, yeah. it's none of your business. There's stuff that I want to say about a certain episode. Uh, I'll just say the title. No, no I, I was just going to say the title. Okay. And I'll just say Free For All, if I remember correctly, and how that would tie God, into... I love Free For All. Well, how things just happen instantly, right? Like, mm. he says, I'm going to do this, and then all of a sudden, things just appear. And mm. it, it's like, I think that would that could tie in today to social media, elections, things of that ilk. Yeah, I'm that's gonna all I'm going to say. Uh, Dave, I am really looking forward to you seeing Free For All. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm that sure. one's going to hit you right in the nose. Ooh, I want to watch that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's quite an early one as well, so we will get to that one yes. sooner than later. Where did you discover it, Bill? Uh, well, I, that's what I was going to lead into. I got two more movies that you might have seen Patrick McGowan in but forgot. He was in uh, Ice Station Zebra. Yes, he was. While he was doing The Prisoner, which is why there's a very particular story that happens halfway through the show. Oh, okay. Well, we will we will get to that. And then uh, The Silver Streak with Gene Wilder. I do, I do not remember him in Silver Street at all. He was the guy that was leading all the guys on the train. I have only seen Silver Street once. You oh. know, my main knowledge from Silver Street comes from the opening credits of the Fall Guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. So my prisoner origin story starts way back in high school. <laughs> and I had... Uh, one of the few things that I ever agreed upon with my biological father was usually in the realm of uh, Doctor Who, science fiction, Star Trek, and such. And he had told me about a show called The Prisoner. So he began to send me back in the 80s, and I still have them, um, videotapes taped from like uh, – because he lived in Monterey, California. So he was taping things off of a local um, – uh, by the name of Scott Appel, and who also would go on and write books uh, concerning Philip K. Dick and had interviewed him and such. But he was basically he, the show would start. He would have an intro. He would be dressed in the prisoner clothes, which you guys will come to realize what that is. Um, and he would talk about the episode in, in length before, watch the episode and come back. And he would do a deep dive into, you know, the whole episode. And as I, and I, I, I still have the tapes. I'm afraid to, to play them because I don't know if they would survive. I mean, they may, but the quality is going to be bad because they would, you know, it's already recording of something else and it's sat for God 30 some odd years now but um and that was one of the few things that he and i bonded on was the prisoner so he did give me in, introduced me and fostered my love of the prisoner and um you know that's how i kind of got a deep dive and understood a lot more of of the themes of the show so yeah and it, and it's always and 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 it was there that you know I wanted to be as cool as Patrick McGowan in every single thing, you know. I'm taking a shit, and I want to do it in such style that everybody's going to watch me. 
I can pull this off. Because I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he is he the greatest actor in the world? But like, like sorry, I, I just want to watch him. Everything he does is just so, especially in the prisoner. He's, it's filled. The simplest things are filled with such disdain and and, and yeah. just, oh. You know, the level of contempt he has for authority. Even opening a door. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just... Oh, yeah, I, like, read, I read that. It's funny you should say, I'm sure I've read that somewhere. The only actor alive who can make opening a door an act of defiance. Oh, everything he does. He's so... He's, and it's so good throughout the whole series. The whole series. So, yeah, I, that's, that's why I love The Prisoner. It's just... I know you guys are going to be at the end of this... It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have watched BJ and the Bear. True, true. But you see, I saw it as a very impressionable, impressionable age that, you know. Yeah, I was about 12 or 13 as well. Yeah, so that's that's where that comes from and, and lived with it my, my whole life. I owned some of the AMC. Uh, they were back in uh, the 2000s. I've got about half the series on DVD. Um, it's ha- kind of hard to find those other ones now. I think I've got. I think it was. A, I think it was a, a B and C set. I believe I have A and B. So, uh, but yeah, it's. You know, I just couldn't. I could go on and on gushing about it. And as we go through, oh, especially some of the episodes like the Schizoid Man and. Oh yeah, yeah. See, some of my favorites are the ones that McGowan doesn't give consider part of his miniseries. There's two ways of watching the prison. Well, there's multiple ways of watching the prison. Well, oh, yes. Yeah, which one we're going for. But there's seven episodes McGowan considers essential. So you just watch those seven and that's all you really need. But some of my favourites are like Many Happy Returns. And your Schizoide <laughs> Man. Schizoide Man's great fun. I love Schizoide Man. So mm-hmm. the filler episode, the Hammer into Anvil, is a brilliant psychological drama. Chimes of Big Ben, A, B, and yep. C, The General... So I can name oh, most of them yeah. off the top of my head. There's not a piss poor one. There are weaker ones, and there and there's weaker n- n- number twos because uh, number two yeah. you guys find to be the guest star of the week, who's the person in charge directly of the village, will be number two. So who does number two? And work that'll range for? from Leo McKern, Jason Wingard. Uh, that's the top two that pop into my head. There's others that when you see them, you, you'll be like. Well, that guy looks vaguely familiar, but yeah. they would have been big in English. There's a, there's a couple that we can't mention as well for reasons of plot. A lot. Trying to think. Oh, well, I'm drawing a blank, but that's okay. I often do. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So. I guess that's not a bad first episode. No. So next time. Next what time. are we doing next Arrive. time? Arrive and yeah, next time our own new episode. Uh, we'll be arriving in the village. The Prisoners, starring Patrick McGowan. Friend of yours? You knew him? No. You're crying. Funerals make me emotional. Even those are people you don't know. I suppose you're wondering what you're doing here. What's it all about? Sit down and I'll tell you. I don't know who you are. Or who you work for. I will not make any deals with you. I've resigned. 
I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. They might let me go. If you give me some sort of information. Northern area, number six, heading for outer zone in our vehicle. Orange alert. Escape or capture. Watch this exciting adventure of the prisoner. And a deep dive discussion of the uh, opening credits. The cinematic opening credits that are three minutes long every week. Now, just so you guys know, and those watching along or listening at home, uh, there are two opening credits. There are the ones in in the episode Arrival, which are slightly longer and tell a little bit more of a narrative. And then there's a slightly truncated one. Uh, A lot of that narrative is edited back in the second episode and some stuff is added that will follow on for the rest of the show Be- right andy that's that's pretty much more yeah there's two three because... other episodes where they alter the credits oh yes yes but those are towards the end and we'll yes. address those but pretty much the start arrival will have its own credits the next episode will have part of those arrival credits and then stuff added on to the end and we'll explain that difference when we get there so, as your homework, if you have not done so already, watch the first episode and at least watch the opening credits for the second episode. And that's it. All right. Just seeing you. So, we have not yet arrived, but we will. Shortly. All right. To the village. Yeah, well, that stuff. But uh, hopefully, people are going to join us for the journey. I do remember, again, you know, we talked about when we did uh, Keep Them Flying. And I remember watching the first episode and, and being a little melancholy because I enjoyed it so much that I said, you know, with knowledge that it's going to end, that bothered me. And I'm kind of anticipating a similar feeling here. Uh, but then the difference is when we did Keep Them Flying, you had watched it when it was first aired, if I remember correctly. So you didn't know it was going to be canceled when you watched the beginning. So we, yeah. we had a little bit of a difference in this one. You know, you knew the limited nature of the episodes when you watched it just, you know, the same as Dave and I do. So it's going to be interesting just to see how it goes along. But that's it. my only concern is the whole aspect of, well, it's never going to get resolved. I'm, I'm not a big fan. I like, clo- no, I like closure. No, no. It, the, the prisoner has a definitive end episode. All right, we will see then. It ends. Okay, good. Which is why this one only being seventeen episodes has never bothered me. Okay, because I do like closure. Well, I'm, I'm not promising that. <laughs> well, I like a definitive end. Let's put it that way. Well, we'll see. Oh, it, it has a definitive ending. All right, we will see. So join us here each week, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> or actually it'll be every other week but you know you know what I'm saying it's not, it's not a three hour tour are we all say goodbye bye 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 miss seeing you who are you the village people who are the supervisor Paul Spataro the chess master Dave Pascarella Rover, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Andrew Leyland as the butler. The village people. 
investigating the prisoner. Remember, a still tongue makes a happy life. <laughs> you have just been poisoned. <laughs> Every time you say remember, I just keep thinking, remember.